What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is the lovely actor and one of my good friends, Carson Stoll. Carson, how are you doing, sir? Good, Sid. Nice to talk to you again. How how you been? I've been doing okay, man. I don't know if you know this, but there's a pandemic going on, and it's very <laughs> hard to very sad. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. But you know, uh, today's been a good day. Uh, hopefully, your day's been good too. Yeah, nice sunny day. Um... I yeah, like I said earlier, I told you um, in the pre-show, I had a a prior commitment this morning where I was supposed to go out and do a couple interviews, um, but they ended up getting canceled in the morning, and that was totally fine with me because I went to bed kind of late, so mm-hmm. wanted to get some extra sleep, so it was nice. I got to go back to sleep and uh, wake up, and I feel a little more energized, and that's always a that's always a good feeling in the morning. Exactly, dude. Like anytime you can get some extra sleep, like just take it. Uh, uh-huh. I wish I was asleep right Definitely. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Carson, for the uninitiated, um, who are you and how, what do you do? Okay. So uh, yeah, my name's Carson Stoll. Um, I met Sid at Gonzaga. We went to Gonzaga University together. Um, we were in multiple productions together. Um, Sid directed me in a show. Um, we, yeah, we got to, to, be in all sorts of classes together. And that's where I kind of started my um, career as an artist was at Gonzaga. I was originally growing up um, all through to the beginning of college, even was a basketball player. Um, I played basketball. That was pretty much my whole life. Um, But then I realized, you know, I'm a six foot white guy, probably not going to the NBA. Uh, I should probably (laughs) focus on something that, um, you know, I have a chance to, to succeed at, but also um, something that I really love and enjoy because outside of basketball, I really didn't know what that was at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I did lots of, I did lots of uh, performance based things. I mean, I consider basketball performance um, and then I did music. Um, I did two shows my senior year of high school, but those were kind of just for fun. I had a lot of friends in the theater department And like I said, I was involved with music, so I was always playing in the pit orchestra during the musicals and stuff. So I guess I was kind of involved, but, you know, I never I I always thought acting acting was always kind of like a dream thing Mm -hmm. for me. Like, oh, it would be so cool to, you know, be in a movie or something. But I never, you know, thought of it as a serious, uh, you know, a thing I could do. Um, And it wasn't until till Gonzaga that I started uh, just trying new things. I started taking acting classes. I started auditioning for shows. And, you know, one thing led to another snowball effect. And, and now here I am with a theater theater and broadcasting degree um, and was prior to COVID-19 was actually moving to L.A. Um, in August next month. Um, but that's on hold. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a, I would consider myself an artist. Uh, I love doing all sorts of um art really uh acting is probably my main discipline but i also i love music i rap i've been doing a lot of rapping during um during this pandemic uh spend a lot of time you know just in my room just recording music um and uh yeah that's i I like writing i like you know my my drawing painting sucks but i love to do it anything that involves self-expression uh getting to be myself is something that i just am drawn towards so um, I hope that wasn't too long. I don't know. I kind of went on a rant there, but um, yeah, that's my, um, that's who I am, I guess, sort of. 
Yeah, a jack of uh, many traits. Uh, <laughs> you are. I didn't even know you're into painting and stuff like that. I mean, despite like you say it's pretty bad, but you know, it's that's kind of like everyone. I think everyone thinks their painting's really bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you even know? you know, you you see people who are you know that you wish you had their their painting or drawing skills, and they're like, "Oh, my work sucks," and I'm like, "I really wish I could draw like you," <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah, there was one thing that came out, and of all the things that you just said right now, was the rapping. Could you tell people <laughs> about Harambi? <laughs> yeah, so so I'll go back a little further even. Um, it's probably like my seventh or eighth grade year in so it was middle school. Um, my brother and I started rapping, actually. Uh, just kind of for fun, we, had, we just used Audacity, the little recording software that was free. And um, we would just, you know, find a beat on YouTube and, and just just rap for fun. Um, at first, it started off as all freestyles, which my brother was actually very good at. Um, my brother was very good at. It. I mean, my brother's three years older than me, so he definitely was definitely smarter, definitely had a little more was just you know better at those things as you are in middle school and high school and all the growing you do. Um, and, uh, so he, he did the majority of the rapping because his stuff was actually good. Um, at the start, at the start, oh my gosh, like me freestyling was just half my rhyme, half my rhymes were definitely not rhymes. They didn't mm -hmm. make any sense, but they were funny. They were really fun. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a thing we did for fun. Um, and then, you know, later in high school, even into college a little bit, we would, you know, every once in a while we would just get together maybe with another friend or something and we'd, we'd write some raps. Um, when Harambe died, actually, back in 2016, uh, we, we wrote a song called uh, Justice, Harambe's Lament, and uh, caught some wind, caught some some wind in the low-key song world. <laughs> so I'm glad it got like, I don't know, a thousand views or something, which is like, for us, just making music for fun was like, we're like, huh, that's that's cool. But it was very funny, very funny song. Um, very, you know, we like a lot of our uh, our songs are based off memes, I would say. Uh, memes, or they, a lot of them had, had themes, such as like our very first rap was just a Star Wars rap, and we mm -hmm. were just rapping about Star Wars stuff. And it was... Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's how the majority of our, our music goes. But um, as of recent, though, I've actually I mean, I, I love music and I've been really into hip hop as of you know, the last I've, I've always liked rap and stuff, but I've, I've really gotten into to listening to hip hop and stuff in the last um, two, three years. And I've really wanted to start, you know, rapping in a little more serious way, I guess, not necessarily that my my um music needs to be more, you know, quote unquote, you know, serious as in terms of like, you know, being sad or, or whatever, mm -hmm. but um, just, just being more real generally. Um, not everything has to be a joke. Like, you know, if I feel something, I can talk about it and rap and stuff and not have mm -hmm. to, you know, feel like, Oh, I'm only a funny rapper. Like I I've actually really enjoyed just writing, writing stuff, whatever kind of comes to my head, whatever I feel like I need to, to rap about i think is something that's nice and i love music so um, music is something that has just been in my life probably longer than basketball even um my dad was was a jazz musician so we just grew up around music all the time mm -hmm. and um yeah so i i love i love rapping i i really do and i actually want to start start taking it a, a little more seriously in terms of um like you know cons considering it as a um 
you know, another option of something I, I like to do. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, just, just not just being an actor. I want to, you know, I think I could do some rap stuff like that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Do that on the side. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I've been writing a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm trying to put it together something, whether it's in EP or something, but um, something I can release. I, I have one song that I released onto Spotify, but it's also very, it's more it's definitely funny or supposed to be funny uh you might not find it funny it has it's very little it's a little uh little graphic probably Uh, (laughs) but it's it's funny it's funny it's supposed to be funny so um do you share all that stuff like send send us the links like uh, links will be in description like here (laughs) all right i'll I'll, uh yeah i'll toss you the link for the song it's um it's an interesting one but yeah I'm, i'm trying to put out some more music um I'm trying to put together, uh, you know, just, uh, I think having, doing like an EP or something, is just nice because it, it helps me think, um, think of like, a more constructively in terms of like, a how do I want this whole thing to sound rather than, you know, how do I want, want each individual song to sound like, which is how it usually is. Cause you know, I just kind of one day I'm like, Oh, I want to rap today. And then I just kind of go rap and then it's just kind of, you know, whatever, the vibe is that day it just turns into that but you know I, I like i like think trying to think a little more constructively and being like hey like this is what the kind of the overall sound i want in terms of you know my beats and the kind of the way i'm rapping and how i want all of that to work um and so yeah so i think um that's been fun for me and i think i'm looking forward to to putting together something that i can be a little bit more a little bit more proud of you know um the funny stuff is kind of kind of easy to me you know if, I, I i love doing comedy stuff it's that stuff's always just kind of you know that's just that's just my personality in general is just mm. kind of kind of being funny joking and and doing stuff like that and i love i, I can kind of add that into anything i do whether it's writing scripts or sketches or you know raps and stuff so yeah. so I, I really like doing that but I, I like challenging myself to try and do something that's a little bit outside my comfort zone Nice. I didn't even know you're like so into rap. I, I've always known you as like the actor, thespian, musician in like <laughs> a lot of cases. But like, I didn't know like rap was something that you were so deeply into recently. Uh, has this been like a recent thing where you wanted to take it seriously? Yeah, a little bit more recent for sure. Um, yeah, I, it's funny because I, I have a couple friends that are they, they're big hip hop guys and they have been for a while. And they always tell me, you know, even with like, I would, you know, just put my kind of funny raps out there. They'd always be like, dude, you're pretty good at rapping, you know, like for, for somebody who doesn't rap very often, you know, just raps for fun every once in a while, like, you, you know, you're pretty good. And I was like, you know, <laughs> that was always something I was kind of proud of. But then as an artist, <laughs> I, like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll say that yeah. as an artist, um, you know, you gravitate towards things that make you feel certain ways, you know, you want to, you know, that self-expression, um, you want to be able to, to articulate things that are on your mind in ways other than just talking to someone or just, you know, in your head. And um, rapping has just been another avenue for that. It's been really hard right now mm-hmm. to, you know, use because there really isn't any acting going on right Mm -hmm. now it's all kind of on hold and um you kind of got to get your fix one way or another Mm -hmm. and if i'm not you know acting right now rapping has been a way to kind of concentrate my um you know i guess you know feelings and not even just feelings though but just 
also my competitive nature of wanting to get better at things. I, I, so rapping is something that I want to get better at as well too. So it's like, you know, I can, I can just, I can practice. It's something I can practice. You know, I just, I, I record all my music in my room, just to have a microphone and my computer and my program. And, you know, I just get some beats and I just make some stuff. Sometimes it's horrible. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. I like it, but you know, it, it's the act of practicing. And I really like looking over time. I get to send it to my buddies and, and they'll be like, dude, like, you know, every single time you, you, you send me something, it gets better. And, you know, that's a really good feeling for me. Cause even when I, when I do acting, I, I feel that way. Like, um, I always, I always really liked when we, you know, when we had shows where we had an ACTF respondent and I loved the ones that went individually to each person and would tell them like, here's what I liked and here's what I didn't like about how you acted, you know? And even, you know, it is, you know, you always take it with a grain of salt. It is one person's perspective. There's sometimes, you know, where you're like, okay, I just don't agree with that. And you don't have to, that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. But there's so many times, you know, where I would, I'd love to hear what they had to say and be like, and then, you know, next time I did a show, I really focused on that criticism they gave me. And I remember, especially it was, um, I remember when I did uh, Stupid Effing Bird, um, mm-hmm. I, my, damn, that was, that was a sophomore year. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember the respondent had told me, he was like, um, I didn't always know what your character wanted in every scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you never even think about that at the time. It's like, I, I didn't really, you know, think about like, do I do, am I making sure I am projecting what my character wants? whenever he's he's on his stage and um so then you know every show i did going forward i always thought about that you know anytime i did a scene i was like what does my character want in the scene and how am i showing that i did that and Mm -hmm. constellations i I had a similar constellations was my favorite one because with that respondent i actually he was the same respondent for midsummer night's dream later on so um you know he gave me some criticisms um he, you know, he compliments as well and compliments and criticisms. And then when Midsummer Night's Dream came along and that was a year later and I had been working on the things that he had said and stuff. And, and when he, he didn't have any criticisms for me in Midsummer Night's Dream, that was like such a cool feeling for me. Cause I was like, wow, I like, you know, I, I took the things they said, the things I, I could work on and I, I focused my energy on them every time I went into a show and it added you know, whether it, if it's just a slight improvement, but it level, it added a new layer of improvement and, you know, it, he noticed it, it was noticeable. And that was, you know, something that was really fulfilling feeling for me is, is, you know, my, my natural competitive nature with myself and with, even with just art, like I, I find myself competitive with art. Cause I'm like, I, it's such a cool tool. Art is such an amazing tool of just being able to express so many different things and i want to get better at expressing you know what i'm trying to express about telling the story that i'm i want to tell i want to be better at that and my competitive nature i think helps boost my work ethic in that kind of in that kind of scenario and um yeah it, it's such a cool experience for me art is such a cool experience in general yeah, yeah. i guess I, I i i rambled i rambled i'm i'm going to probably do no. that a lot today um Wait, sorry, bringing it back to just to rapping. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much acting going on. It's hard. Um, you know, there's like no theater, obviously. There's, I've, I've gotten some auditions here and there for some, you know, for some uh, film stuff, uh, you know, whether it's um, commercial or something that's just, you know, they're, they're able to do 
socially distant have you know respect their socially distant guidelines or it's it's something that's going to be filmed with masks on or whatever it is but like still there's a there is a compared to the usual there is a significantly smaller amount of opportunities for acting right now mm-hmm. um and um so yeah my i've been kind of i've been focusing my energy on getting better at, at some other things um and uh yeah rapping has kind of been at the forefront of it yeah i mean like this is what this podcast is for man like when <clears throat> when all the theater stuff stopped i'm like oh shit like i can't do directing anymore <laughs> so yeah what, what am i what am i gonna do and uh this has been a great way and we spoke to one of the kids i'm mentoring i brought them on the show and i was just like this has been a good avenue for me to uh direct in a sense and then also when i'm picking guests i'll be like uh, it's kind of like picking actors like oh i know this a- actor is going to work in this play i know this guest is going to be a good fit for the show mm-hmm. and uh like speaking about your acting and what you did at Gonzaga, like you've definitely consistently been better and better in your roles that you've been in. Like I, I've seen a lot of your shows. I appreciate and that. Vo- yeah. Yeah. I've always enjoyed your work. I mean, uh, I think one of your best work and this is me trying to step out of it. Cause I directed the show <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was the curator of the show, but like dog sees God, which we've talked extensively on the show. We had John on the show too. Mm-hmm. Like dog sees God was definitely your magnum opus. Like I think like, <laughs> uh, and Charlie, our professor said that too. Like that was probably like the best he's ever seen you uh, at work. And that show was special uh, was. to me and uh, to everyone involved. I think it was a really good learning experience for me too. Um, for just briefly, do you want to talk about that show? It's yeah, just maybe so I, we don't... I'd love to. Yeah, it was that show was so it was, it was interesting because that that previous October I had just done last five years, which was kind of my senior capstone as well that I had put together, and that was a whole wild ride within itself. And I kind of told myself I'd really been working on my, you know, um, on myself as a person, and and one of those things I had really been kind of trying to do better at in my life was honestly uh was to say no more because <laughs> there is so frequently at school um i would commit to so many projects at once that it was you know so hard to balance and i was just exhausted you know spending so much time on certain things even though i love you know I, I do it i i would overload myself because i love to do all these things but you know it's hard to balance when you, when, you know when you're doing school as well uh, I was working once, I, it was only once a week, but, you know, I was working, um, I had, uh, you know, I, I was committed to multiple different projects. I was involved in two incredibly time consuming majors. So I was busy a lot. I had a lot, I had a lot going on my senior year. Um, and yeah, so after the last five years, I was like, all right, I think that's going to be, that's going to be my finale. I'm probably, I'm just going to leave it there. But then the auditions came around for both Dogs He's God and Midsummer, which were ones that was like, <clears throat> I didn't know if I wanted to do it only because I was like, I was trying to get myself to say no more. Mm. But the opportunities came around and I, I really loved uh, Dogs He's God, especially. I really loved reading the script. And like, I, I, as a storyteller, I was like, this is something that I just, I think people will want to hear, especially just, I don't know. It just felt like the timing was right. Everything just seemed like, you know, it, it just seemed, it seemed right that it was, that was going to be happening. And, and so when I got the opportunity to do it, I, I <laughs> of course I said, yes, I couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, same with midsummer happened at the same time. And, um, but for Doug sees God, it was, it was something for both of these shows. 
was getting to step outside my comfort zone. Really, it was um, a lot of stepping outside my comfort zone. Um, for Doxy's God, it was just, you know, I, I had always kind of, I, I definitely had been able to relate to CB in a lot of different ways. So that wasn't, you know, um, my initial problem, but it was, it was the, just the, the whole, the, everything that goes on within that play, all the, the very heavy emotional aspects, the, the, um, the messages that it, that it, that it, uh, you know, projects um are all things that it's like you know it's bigger than any one actor or one role in that show mm-hmm. and you really ha- it, it, you have to work together as a cast to make sure that those messages are highlighted and that those things are are not just kind of like it's not kind of like oh here we kind of touched on this but you know you heard it we're not we don't really need to go into you need to you know you can't hold back you can't you have to make sure that the the story is told a hundred percent honestly and and everybody is um you know giving their all into into uh putting on the best show we can and the most honest show i think honesty is so important especially in that show because there's so many things that you could just kind of kind of you know tiptoe tiptoe over tiptoe around that are really heavy important subjects that need to be um need to be talked about that need to be to we need to shed light on and and not holding back is is just the most important part and so just going fully into it committing a hundred percent to stuff that you know you didn't know you didn't know that you'd be doing you know a month before you never thought you might be doing that so yeah, it, it was such a cool, uh, just in the cast, the scene, the cast was so special in that show and just how we all grew together and, and came together and put such an amazing show together with, you know, all, all the trial and error, all the ups and downs um, with that, all the, all the crying, you know, <laughs> that mm-hmm. comes with a show like that. Um, man, we, we put together such a cool experience for people because it was so honest. It was so honest. And I, and and I, 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 you know, I did take it on myself to try and lead by example and, um, and just put, put my best foot forward of, you know, like I'm a little, you know, I'm a little unsure about some of this stuff. You know, I've never done some of this stuff before, but I'm just going to go for it because that's, that's the only way. I mean, CB, CB had never done some of this stuff either. So you just got to go forward and 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 do it you just got to go forward and do it and um we had some amazing help uh sarah goff i mean mm-hmm. oh my god she was amazing uh her coming in and helping out with with some of the scenes just uh just elevated our our experience and that that was oh man that was that was might have been one of my favorite parts of the whole show was was mm-hmm. having sarah goff come in um and you can really it's so cool to see um how what kind of difference like um you know really a, a different perspective of directing you mm-hmm. know you know because because we have you know you're you're doing your job you're directing us you're you're giving us your perspective and everything but it's like when you bring in somebody else especially somebody like sarah who just you know has years of experience and is just you know mm-hmm. it's just you know <laughs> sarah goff and yeah. uh and uh getting that other perspective as well and just kind of thinking in a, in a different avenue about something that you'd been working so hard on. And you're like, Whoa, this is like, it's, it's, it's just, 
it opens your it opens your eyes and makes you think differently about every scene, every scene, everything that you do. Um, and man, the whole experience was just it, it it came together in such a beautiful way. And and yeah, and for myself putting together, I mean, I you know I. <laughs> like my, like I was talking about earlier with my competitive nature, you know, I really wanted to to shoot for the stars and put out my any every time I do something, I want it to be my my best performance, mm-hmm. and uh, that was my best performance for sure. Mm-hmm. There was there was so much opportunity, um, but also so there was a lot of. I mean, CB is in a lot of that show, and um, there's a lot of room to to slow down to. Um, you know, miss a beat here or there. And, you know, I, I tried as hard as I could to make sure I wasn't missing anything to make sure I was always on my toes. Everything was feeling always fresh, new, um, and honest. Most importantly, honest honesty was just my, that was my, that's, that was my, uh, I don't know, central image for myself Ah. in that going into that was just honesty just needing to be honest Mm -hmm. um there's nothing you could hold back in that show if it was going to work out and especially the way we did it you know i remember you talking about how um some people like to do that show as almost like sketch comedy Mm -hmm. um and we just did it with full 100 complete honesty Mm -hmm. and i think that made it so much more special than uh, we could have ever thought yeah, dude. I mean, like that show. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad it meant something <laughs> to you. I just remember like uh, texting you like after auditions because I, I I think you were at that point where you were trying to say no more. Uh, mm-hmm. Initially, we were casting someone else, but mm-hmm. I wanted kind of you as like backup in case this person couldn't do it. <laughs> and, but like uh, you kind of like put me on my feet too. Where you 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 reminded me like, hey, this show is more than just me or you this is like for everybody and at the time like i i'm pretty sure that um i wasn't thinking that like that yeah. that, that kind of selfishly but um you kind of like uh put me back on track if that makes sense like oh yeah oh. we we are doing this show not just for ourselves but for the community and stuff like that. that's why we had so many non-gu people there because like the story is more than just gu people and i by bringing new people in that have never acted at GU before mm-hmm. brought in a new audience, a new perspective. I think Kathleen, uh, the chair of the theater department at the time, we talked about Kathleen on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she even said like, there were a bunch of new people that never came to the Magnuson theater who came and saw that show. And I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's really cool. That's really special. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was actually with some family. I don't remember when this is towards maybe graduation or something. I was with some family downtown eating breakfast somewhere and, uh, I remember the cashier recognized me and she was like, you were in dog sees God. And I was like, mm. yes, I was. I was, I was just like, it's so weird to see anybody outside of campus that mm. would recognize, you know, a, a, an on-campus production. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool that it reached so many people. And that's, ah, uh, that's what made it feel extra special too. was just, you know, when I, when I read the script, I, I, we can all agree that, you know, it, it's not, the most well-written script of all oh, time yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um you know anybody anybody can agree that but i think still the impact of when i read the script for the first time and being like i know because of how i felt after i read it i was like i know this will reach people like this mm-hmm. is something that people will hear and relate to and yeah. it, it is so relatable and 
you know, regardless of, of what the script sounds like necessarily, like it, it's relatable. And mm-hmm. that's why I was like, this is something that is important for people. And it's, you know, it's, that's, that's the big thing is that there's so many people that can take away from this and, and we all need, we all need to, to work together with that in mind of that. This, there's going to be so many people in that audience that can relate to not only just CB, but to other characters, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, um, uh, why I'm oh, Van's sister, um, to, I was, I was trying to say Lucy, but uh-huh. <laughs> Van's sister, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, um, to CB's sister, um, to, to, uh, to, to Matt even, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's so, the characters are very real, very relatable. And it, you know, it sucks that the circumstances of the play are just, you know, all the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong place. But that's how mm-hmm. life ends up being. And that's why it was just so relatable. And, and man, that's what, you know, from from the beginning before we even started, you know, our first table read, it was like, all right, this this is an impactful play, very impactful play. And, and we need to do it justice. We need to mm-hmm. give it everything we have because it will mean a lot. It will mean something to people and, and regard, you know, and we want to, to do our best. We wanted to do our best and we wanted it to impact people. And, and I think we all saw that it really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was definitely a growing up experience for me and uh, it really paved the way to uh, what I do now. <laughs> um, so, but like, since we're 30 minutes into it, we haven't gotten to the main show. I want to add like one more thing to <laughs> okay. the uh, Docs and Scott conversation about the script and how, you know, depending on how you approach it, <laughs> it could be a really good, like interesting script, but most of the time it, that's not the case. And I think you and I can both agree when we went to the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival last year and saw so many Doxy's God scenes, you know, I'm going to let you say, yeah. what did you think of those scenes? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of them were. Uh, I mean, I get it. A couple of them were, you know, they they picked a scene that can definitely be. It's easy to to be comedic, you know. It was drunk girl at lunch talking, making up a story about how the spork was invented. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just you know, that's easy, fun kind of monologue to do. Um, but yeah, you know, you don't. I think we all could agree that that there was, you know, people did them, and especially after we had done ours and seeing how, or even just feeling how honest ours was. Mm-hmm. You know, even though that's that's a funny scene, mm-hmm. it's more funny when it, it, it's more. Yeah, it, I think it's it's there's more of a people will probably laugh more when you know the people are you can tell that the characters out there are, are trying to tell the truth you know i felt some some of the the scenes those scenes feel because of the way it's written it's easy to to say to to you know do those scenes and have it sound like you're acting it, mm-hmm. it is, you know that's just kind of how the script is written it, it sounds like you're acting it mm-hmm. but you know if you put put the time into the thinking process of the characters and you know how they came to what they said and everything you know you can 
you know, it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's not, not a whole whole lot to really say here. Yeah, we, we saw so many scenes that were just, you know, we felt like lacked honesty, mm-hmm. lacked yeah. honesty. And uh, and after, you know, the, the level of honesty that we put into our performance, um, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to put anything bad on, on what, on, you know, anybody's performance. There, there are plenty of good ones and, you know, it, it's a funny scene, plenty of laughing um, mm-hmm. and stuff, but yeah, you know, from, from, we, I think we all prefer the way that we, we did the production, which was just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. very honest, straightforward, no bullshit um, oh, yeah. went performance of, of the show. Cause I think that's, that's the best way to do it justice because if you take it as it is kind of if you make it kind of comedic you know you play off the comedy part of it um kind of like the irony of the play in general mm-hmm. it just is i don't know you lose you lose a lot of the of well you lose a lot of the honesty mm-hmm. <laughs> you do you you lose a lot of the honesty and you're like oh this that was, you know, they say it that way because it's funny, not because mm-hmm. they say it that way because that's actually what they think, and that's just like actually sad. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you you put it you put it much nicer <laughs> than I would have, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you said something about it. But, <laughs> um, without getting into that stuff anymore, uh, gotta say, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artist in the Wayward World, where each and every Sunday I sit with a Wayward Artist and we talk about. A person they're thankful for. It is based on a podcast by Jared Petty called Pockets Full of Soup. Um, similar format. Um, he, he hasn't been posting any episodes uh, lately, so I just kind of took the format and I thought it would be really uh, interesting to do during this COVID time as a way for us to think positively about the future by dipping into the past a little bit. And, you know, uh, we might ramble on, we might talk about other things, but uh, yeah, that, that's what the show's mainly about. So, Carson, um, without further ado, the question, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask each and every guest every Sunday. Who is a person that you're thankful for? Tell me someone you're thankful for. Oh, I already have a lot on my mind. Um, man. It doesn't have to be the person. It's just like someone that you'd like to talk about. Someone I would like to talk about. Um. Hmm. Trying to decide between a couple of who I want to talk about today. You can talk about all of them if you want. All right. Okay. We'll <laughs> like, start. We'll start. It's all. They're all. They're all family. Um. Uh. First. Per, first one I'm thankful for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say my dog Elmo. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh. Who, he just passed away a couple days ago. So mm-hmm. um, he was 14 and a half. So it wasn't, wasn't totally unexpected. I mean, he was like a hundred in dog years. So mm-hmm. yeah, he, he lived a, a long, happy life. Um, but yeah, I, I'd actually, I'd actually love to talk about my dog for a sec. He's, I'm a very, um, I talk to myself a lot. Um, just kind of, I don't know why I just do. Um there's a lot of times like late at night, I couldn't sleep or something. And, um, you know, I'd be downstairs in my house, especially, you know, recently because I've been living at home and, uh, the COVID crisis and everything, you know, just at home. A lot of times my parents are, you know, they're asleep super early and I'm just kind of downstairs, just <laughs> hanging out. And the only person was just me and my dog. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, you know, 
whenever I had anything on my mind, I just, you know, I could, I could say it out loud to my dog and, you know, he'd hear me and I know it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. my dog, but yeah, I, I always found a, a lot of comfort in that. And, um, he was, he was always, uh, it always seemed like he really understood. I know it's, I know he's a dog, but it always seemed like he really understood. And if 14 and a half, like, you know, I, I, he came into my life when I was nine. So he was there, you know, since I was nine, he helped literally helped raise me. So, um, yeah, no, it's, he, he was, uh, he was a very happy dog. He loved everyone. He was such a friendly, friendly dogs. You know, I really missed when I come home, he would always be outside, wait, you know, he'd run up to the car every time you'd pull in mm-hmm. or, you know, you'd walk into the house and he'd get up and come to you. And it was always nice and always miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want, I guess wanted to shout out my dog, Elmo. Yeah. Um, we never talked about dogs on this show. <laughs> so you're like, uh, so far the first one. Um, dogs are great, dude. I, when I came from Saudi Arabia and I knew that my mom like had two Springer Spaniels, Eli and Peyton, mm-hmm. I was a little trepidatious about it. I was still kind of like a strict, kind of strict Muslim where I'm like, you know, dogs are not a thing really in Saudi Arabia. So I'm not really sure how I'd vibe with these animals in the house. And my first meeting with my dogs uh, was they, they didn't like me. They, they barked at me like, like they do with every person. But I remember specifically they barked much more at me for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm Arab or something like they're racist dogs. I don't know. But um, they were um, like in the months prior to that, like they kind of grew on me, um, which is, I never knew that would happen. And I too lost my dogs this year. Um, Peyton, we lost him. They're twins. They they were born okay. from the same uh, kennel. Um, Peyton died on Christmas Eve, and oh. Eli died in May teen. Uh, so just a couple months back. So within a, within a year of each other. Um, Charlie is the last dog. <laughs> right. we're, we're, yeah, we're, Charlie. yeah, we love Charlie. Um, he's he's getting a brother soon though. So we're, oh sweet. Yeah. That's nice. How did you meet Elmo? You said he was you were nine years old. Yeah, so he we got him from a litter. Um, who I think it was our our friends. I think it was his friends of my sister uh, or some a girl who played on her basketball team or something. They had a litter of chocolate lab puppies, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, we got him from there. He's actually my sister's dog, technically. Uh, my sister picked him out, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's how that's how we we brought Elmo into the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool. We. <laughs> We named named him Elmo for quite a few reasons. Um, well, Elmo is just a great name in the first place, but also, um, so our our two dogs from when I was even younger than that, when I was born, our two dogs were Miles and Ella, named after the jazz musicians Ella Fitzgerald and Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so L L from Ella and Mo for Miles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a mix of that um but also our family had there were three three c's in our family and two e's there was uh chuck carson and carly on the season then there was eason and elena for the e's so we thought we would balance it out with three and three um e's and c's so um that was another reason his nickname was mo or momo and um 
uh, my sister's basketball coach, who was like, he's like an older brother, basically. Um, his name is Mo, and we also love him. So <laughs> it's kind of, we had a lot of reasons to name him uh, mm-hmm. what, what we did. But uh, yeah, I mean, we love our dogs. They're part of the family. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I honestly treated Elmo like a human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I talked to him like he was just, just one of my homies. So, um, yeah, we miss him, but honestly, I mean, he, you know, he had been, he had been in decline for a couple years now. I mean, yeah, like 14 and a half, like, you know, he stuck around a lot longer than a lot of dogs do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, the last thing we wanted for him was just, you know, be, be suffering any longer you know he was he was starting to have some trouble and so i was like yeah we he stuck around as long as he could it's still still sad and you know we'll we'll miss him so much but um Carson. yeah appreciate everything about him yeah yeah um yeah yeah that's how i treat eli and Peyton too they're like two human beings i, I mean their personalities too they were kind of <laughs> yeah they were kind of weird they're they weren't like normal dogs which <laughs> I, I like them uh mm-hmm. i like that about them uh when our professor Leslie Stamoulis, who we also talk about the show, like she and I were, we came around the same time. So I came to Gonzaga th- that year, and she was just hired that year. Um, she was talking about her costume construction class. Did you ever take that class? Yep, I took yep. my. Or wait, cost? No, I took costume design. You never made. Never. I didn't. I, yeah, I never made them. That was that was construction. Yeah, no, I took design. Yeah, um, I took construction as like my first theater thing, and she talked about the oh, final no. project. Yeah, um, we talk about um, like she talked about like the final project where we have to make something, and I wanted to make like this leather jacket because I think if you remember correctly, like I was super into Rocky Horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, um, so like I was like, oh, I'm gonna make a jacket for like Rocky Horror Night, like made of leather and stuff, and she was like, No, we don't really have the equipment to like make the leather anything. So I told her like, Hey, can I make shirts for my dogs? And now like that's a story that she tells in costume construction like every day like every time at least i don't know if she does anymore but like the first couple of years like she would always talk about that experience and my like we brought in my dogs to model uh their shirts um it was really cool (laughs) Um, yeah they've they've always been a part of my uh theater uh, endeavors in some ways or another like my first play i ever wrote i wrote about them as humans um when we did our sketch comedy show boon street hooligans uh they usually take like a headshot of you or like a a, like not a headshot like a body shot of you like do a crazy thing and mine was a picture of me holding a picture of my dogs being like world's best sons or something like that (laughs) Uh, so they and i think i even thanked them in my first show i ever acted in um they they were part of my life for such a long time what's a good memory do you have of elmo Oh, so many. Um, um, we always loved. We have. It's funny. We have videos of this, but just um, whenever on my sister's birthday, who my sister passed away when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. When on her birthday, we always let. We always make you know a cake. Uh, we always make funfetti, my sister's favorite cake, and um, we always we always cut off a piece for Elmo. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we always we always take a video of it and when he'd go to eat his piece of cake and he would just one bite and then just, you know, <laughs> swallow the whole thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's just so funny. And then, you know, he's got frosting all over his face and he's licking it off his face. Uh, it's just, just a nice little happy video. And 
El- Elmo was just the best. His tail was always wagging. You know, anytime he saw anybody, uh, he was always wagging. Even and he always he always tried so hard to be such a good dog. And you know, he wouldn't wouldn't eat anything until you said okay. You know, when you say okay, he could eat it, but he wouldn't eat it until you said okay. <laughs> and so he would just he just stand there looking at you. But it's funny because he he's trying so hard that it's like he would always he'd always like look away. He would like look away from the food. Like he couldn't look at it because <laughs> it was tempting him so much. So he would like turn his head away until you said, okay. Cause, cause if you, if he was looking at it, you know, he was just going to start drooling or something. Mm-hmm. So those are always fun memories. Um, he was, he loved to go swimming. Uh, we live, live across the street from a small lake and um, he, he loved the summer, his favorite time of the year. Cause he would just, he loved to go swimming, chase the chase the tennis ball out in the lake, and jump off the dock. And uh, he was, yeah, he could swim for hours and hours and hours, and just, and he, he you know, could you, he would just keep going forever. Nothing was nothing was going to stop him when he was in the water. So, nice. Um, that's another. That's just all those memories are good from for Elmo. Um, lots of um, oh, what one thing that was a fun funny quirk for Elmo. He would always go underneath people's legs. He loved to like go almost like people. He, he would do like kind of figure eights between your legs when he was like, really <laughs> excited to see you. Oh. He would just kind of do these figure eights between your legs, but then he would always stop underneath your legs. So his like, he would position his like butt right below you. So, cause he loved it, loved it when people scratched his butt. <laughs> <laughs> so you would just like, you would just stand there underneath your legs. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like a security thing for him or, or something, but he, he loved it ever since he was a puppy. He just loved going underneath your legs and it's just fun little quirk. I never met any other dog that liked to do that. Yeah. Um, it's so special, especially, you know, for friends who had never met Elmo before. And like the first thing, you know, they're like, you know, they, they see my dog and then my dog goes and runs between their legs and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's it was pretty fun. It's it, Elmo left so many good, every, every memory of Elmo is just a happy one. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was just a t- testimony to his, his life and how happy he was and how happy he made people and the happy mm-hmm. life that he lived. So yeah, man. yeah, for me, it's just like all the small things that I remember, like I don't have necessarily like this huge memory but it was more like just small things that I miss like you know Eli uh he was the grumpy dog (laughs) <laughs> he would, uh, he always has like a grumpy face but you know he was a lover too like he would all he would come and snuggle and be there for you but like there are times where you can catch him and he has like a, a frump on his face and then Peyton uh he was always a big crybaby like he, he always looked like droopy like he was sad all the time and Eli would always bully Peyton and stuff like that uh, and then Peyton, sometimes when you're playing with Eli too much Peyton's like all right we gotta stop this right now I gotta bark and stop the shenanigans right now um but they would always do this thing eli would always clean his mouth like they they would lick, <laughs> lick his mouth and they would just be submissive and like all right man you, you do what you need to do and like, it, it would always it's it's so funny when they did that and Peyton, yeah he was a licker for sure like whenever you sat by Peyton, he would always uh lick the air around your face like he, doesn't, he doesn't get your face sometimes he does but like uh he would always lick the air around your face and i just like i don't know what you're doing i have a video of me just like sitting there and he's just licking the air and you can instigate it too if you like stick your tongue out and like do like the motion of him like 
licking and he'll he'll just get started he's like he was crazy <laughs> oh man and then all the that's fun yeah all the small theater stuff too um yeah you said he was 14 elmo yeah 14 and a half so. oh wow yeah eli and Payton yeah, were was... 10 i think yeah mm-hmm. um was it he like, was he, was it just he was a purebred mm-hmm. um which i, I mean I, I you know i don't know if this is really a thing or not but heard purebreds just have you know better they just generally stay healthier their mm-hmm. their whole life so i don't know i don't know if that's a thing but i mean seemed to work for elmo so yeah i mean um was it just like naturally like because it seemed like it yeah. was a long life yeah i mean over i mean you know over time for any dogs you know eventually they'll get you know cancer or you know they'll go blind or you know just kind of stuff like that just to any dog just from from getting older mm-hmm. um yeah he was he was actually generally pretty healthy for the most part through even you know even a lot of even most of this year you know i can i can think back of just a month ago of him you know being seeming pretty healthy um he started to get these kind of breathing problems though you know um that that was his thing i think was he kind of started having these breathing problems um but it never really seemed to bother him too much as long as you know he like as long as he could breathe like he was fine you know it seemed to him so but you know, it got it got a little louder over time, and then maybe it started to you know sound a little bit more labored, especially towards just this past you know couple weeks. Or well, it was really even even you know a week ago almost seemed like he seemed fine, but just you know he, you know he had one really really rough day, and we were like, oh no, mm-hmm. um, he just seemed really uncomfortable, and we decided to to bring him in because we knew we knew you know even for the last like two years we knew if we brought him into the vet that you know there's probably you know a chance that they you know just give us the bad news mm-hmm. and um so it, we you know he 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 lasted a really long time and um mm-hmm. yeah it, it was just I, I don't i don't know if i can really ex- explain this um it was like uh like just like they're i don't know if they're esophagus or something in their throat but it's like they're they're larynx gets kind of just like swollen over time mm-hmm. and, and constricts a little bit and just makes it harder to open when they breathe and it just was getting you know tighter and tighter over time and i think you know by mm-hmm. by the end of it it was it was really tight and so mm-hmm. um that, that that explains his his breathing problems um mm-hmm. but yeah so uh it was just kind of getting worse and worse and then to a time where it's like all right we you know we don't want him to be going through this any longer mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's kind of what happened to Peyton specifically. Um he died on Christmas Eve, but like the day before he was he seemed okay. I mean like he, he was still himself. Um he was probably snoring a lot harder like kind of like what you were describing, but like just one day he just wasn't himself. He wasn't in any pain or anything like that. It was just like he wasn't moving. Um mm-hmm. he wasn't really like aware. Like his eyes were open um he would take a treat or two but like he wouldn't eat his food and like he wouldn't move at all and i remember going to see cats the the movie because <laughs> 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 i was like you know i'm i'm gonna go see cats whatever and before i leave i left i i see him in the kitchen all by himself i'm like all right you just stay there I'll, I'll put his food right right near him in case he wants to eat and then i come home from the movie and he's still there he's just sitting there the, the same position same yeah it like, just looks really uncomfortable yeah i like i don't know like i don't know if he was un- uh, like uncomfortable or not like there was no 
like you couldn't even I like I had we had no idea what was going on with him. And so I just caught when my mom came home, I was just like, Mom, look at him. He is there's something wrong with him. And we ended up like she wanted to initially wanted to take him to the vet like tomorrow. I'm like, I don't know. I think he needs to go to the ER. And so we take him to the ER and he has trouble walking to the er like it, it it's getting worse and worse by the minute and like hey, that that's that's how you know definitely that's kind of the same thing for elmo yeah he uh he couldn't even get up and poop like he yeah. he, he was laying down and pooped which that <laughs> dogs don't do that you know and yeah so i actually had to lift him up and take him to the er um and then that's where we got the news i mean the doctor didn't really know what was going on with him he said like we could do tests but we probably won't know for yeah. such a long time. And it was clear to him anyway, that he was dying right there. Yeah. And that's where we put him down. It was kind of traumatic, honestly, because yeah. like, like we didn't, we didn't wake we We didn't even, we thought he had like, both of them had like a couple more years at least, you know, like it yeah. didn't seem like there was any issues going on. Eli had like the uh, bowel problems, which we'll get into in a second, but um, mm -hmm. Peyton died. Like Peyton's death was kind of like just sudden. And then we had Eli around and then we noticed Eli was having bladder problems and it turned out yeah. to be uh, prostate and bladder cancer, which those are rare <laughs> in yeah. dogs. So it was like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, like, why is, why is this happening? Um, so <clears throat> for a while, like he was on some medication. We weren't going to do chemo because like, we know like chemo is just like, it's not good on even on humans, dude. Like it's just yeah. awful. And especially when, you know, when animals get old and, mm -hmm. and stuff, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, you're going to spend, you know, a, a really a lot of money, mm -hmm. you know, to, to extend their life for, you know, maybe what, you know, six months longer or something mm -hmm. or who even knows. And it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want them to be suffering like that or mm -hmm. anything. So, and Sometimes yeah, you just kind of got to make the call that's best for them. Exactly. And like, we couldn't even remove the tumor that was in his prostate. Like it, it would have caused damage to his uh, rectum. So we were, yeah, we, we were just letting it run its course pretty much. And then uh, he seemed fine once we got him off this like medication that was making him drowsy. I mean, like he was having bowel problems, but once it kind of got aggressive into his leg, he started limping. He was still himself. He was just limping. And mm -hmm. they were just like, and then he couldn't really control his peeing anymore. He was peeing in the house. And it was just yeah. like, you know, it's it's time. You know, like, we can't keep it up anymore. It's hard, it's hard but yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, if the cancer wasn't there, like, he probably had a couple more years in him. Because even when we put him down, he, he was still full of energy. He was still himself, you know. Yeah. But, like, he was just uh, – there was other stuff internally going on wrong with him. But mm -hmm. he still kept his spirits. You know, to the end. Ooh. That's why we love dogs. <laughs> dogs are great, dude. And like when I, uh, with my apprentice, Georgia Kittredge, uh, who we had on the show too, she's 16. I, I let her read Dogs He's God and we talked about that show. And I remember I read it for the first time after the dogs died. And I'm like, oh shit, this is like, this is hitting harder than it normally would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the dog dying. I was like, ah, no, this is sad. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel that way too? I don't know. You were like the main character in that show, dude. Like, do you like thinking back on that role and how how much Elmo meant to you? Like, do you think? Yeah, it's kind of it's just kind of you know weird timing, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, definitely. Like, I mean, for me, for me, it didn't really need. I don't know. I <laughs> two things. One, yes, like 
I know how much my dog means to me and how hard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even though it hadn't happened yet and almost still had years left in him, like just kind of knowing, um, was just like, uh, yeah, that's, that's such t- so tough as a person, mm-hmm. but also like, I also watched so much Charlie Brown as a kid and I love Snoopy and, and Charlie Brown and their relationship and stuff. So even that just like, because I watched so much of it knowing honestly the relationship between those two and how much they loved each other and, and stuff also, you know, made that, you know, kind of, it was, you know, hard, hard as it was already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, like what, what other memories do you have of like Elmo? Like, what did you guys, what, what, what was, what's his characteristics? Like I talked about Eli and Peyton, like they had like these weird personalities, like um, what kind of personalities did Elmo have? Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of, kind of started talking about a couple of them. Um, you know, like he had these weird quirks of just like, you know, loving to go between people's legs or um, he always, he didn't never tried to inconvenience anyone. So he, you know, like, when his food was ready, he would always, you know, look away or something until you said, okay, it was, it's funny. A lot of times, like he would, he would even just leave the room. Like if you started, he would come, he would come to us, like basically to let us know that he's hungry and then we would start making his food and then he would just leave the room. <laughs> it's like, it's like he didn't, you know, he was like, thanks for, thanks for starting to make it. Um, now I'll, I'll eat it whenever you say I can eat it. Mm-hmm. And and so it's always kind of he's just never trying to inconvenience anyone, which was just uh, it's just you know it's just kind of funny for him. Um, he also loved he loved staring out windows. I mean, I know a lot of dogs do, but he had his little perch. We have a little like landing um, on, on our stairs, um, and he would always sit on the landing and, and stare out the window. He, we put you know his bed was there, so he would always just lay on his bed there and just stare out the window and basically be on watch <laughs> the whole time. Mm. Um, that was always you know something funny that Elmo did. Um, he 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 had a, he had such a free spirit. Um, we have a really nice little neighborhood where you know there's no really fences or anything. Houses aren't like super close together, but everybody's got a yard and stuff. And people just kind of let their dogs out and they just you know they just kind of roam around and. Mm. Um, so Elmo, you know, was always just roaming around, going to the neighbors' houses. Um, you know, the na- he knew if he went to the neighbors' house that they'd probably give him a treat. <laughs> it's funny because he he always carried his toys with him, um, and they would always, our neighbors would always say he'd always carry his toy over to their house until they gave him a treat, and then he would just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were like, we were always throwing his toys back into your guys's yard. Um, it's funny. We called it the museum, which was just all his little, he, you know, he'd have so many toys just laying out in the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we call that his museum. And um, just because <laughs> he, he it's funny. He was so sweet with his toys. You know, when he, when he was a puppy, he loved to destroy his toys. I mean, all puppies do. Mm-hmm. But um, pretty early on, he started to just like take care of all of his toys. <laughs> he was all of his stuffed animals. He was like really sweet to them. He would, he would carry them around and he would, you know, lay his head on top of them. And, you know, he'd always, every, anytime, you know, you got home or something, he'd always pick up his toy and bring it up to you mm-hmm. when he's greeting you. And, Cause you know, it made him happy. And um, he always wanted to share his happiness with everyone. And yeah, we, we thank Elmo for just being, being him and uplifting everybody's spirits all the time. And, never failing to make us feel better. And uh, yeah, so many, so many 
<laughs> good things Elmo did for us. Yeah, it's. I wish I got. A, I wish I met him. Like he seemed like. Uh, he seemed like he came from a very loving house for sure. Mm-hmm. He he really yeah he was special special dog mm-hmm. special dog yeah um is there uh another dog in your guys's future like a, a new puppy uh may maybe i don't know i mean it's it's difficult because um uh well i i'm moving obviously um so um i won't really be around to help raise it um you know, unless we get one right now which is like you know possible i guess uh mm-hmm. which i would be here for probably it's puppy puppy days mm-hmm. but um but yeah I, I don't know i i i don't know it might be too soon to really talk about it but i don't know we we might i would i mean i love dogs and having a dog and i wouldn't mind um putting some time into raising a dog i mean i want to have a dog um mm-hmm. eventually but i mean i'm i'm going to be moving to la and you know, I'll be living in an LA apartment. I don't plan on, on having a dog have to, yeah. you know, deal with, put up with that. So it's probably going to be a while for me before I get a dog, but, yeah. um, but maybe, I mean, maybe my, my parents will, will want to get another one. I, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I know my dad might really want one, but, uh, my dad's turning 70 in October. So, Whoa. um, so yeah. I mean, Long he life. loves, I mean, yeah, so he's, he's, um, so I mean, I I mean I don't know if he's gonna want to have to want to put in the energy to to help him you know raise a dog. Uh, my brother is moving back home for a bit, mm-hmm. so um, like I said, it might be literally there might not be a better time than now um, to get one just because we'll all be here and um, be able to help raise it. But um, you know I I don't know if that's what. My, my family's looking to do right now so yeah. i don't know we'll we'll see but mm-hmm. um one day i i mean i will definitely have another dog um, uh-huh. but yeah but um right now not really sure it's only been a couple days so yeah that's fair i mean from our like his uh we lost our both of our dogs this year like uh for charlie our wire hair dachshund like it, it's it brought the mood down on him a little bit um he's already kind of like a cat <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you, you, you don't pet him unless he wants it and you can't really snuggle with him unless he wants to snuggle with you. You know, he won't eat his food. He'll graze it like a, like a, a deer or something like that. Like he won't, uh, and he'll play sometimes, but like, um, I think after Eli, the last one kind of like passed away, he, he's been by himself. He's been really sad, you know, like he just sits curled up in his little ball and he's like oh charlie i'm sorry i wish we can <laughs> i wish we could do something better for you but he's gonna have a brother soon uh, a lab um uh, not a chocolate lab but like a, a lab lab um in two weeks uh his name is bowie and hmm. charlie's gonna have a new friend real soon so that's awesome so hopefully that will raise his spirits up a little bit what what kind of dog did you say he's a lab what kind of lab uh I, you know i don't it's a yellow lab Yellow lab, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Labs are the best. Yeah, so. I'm excited, dude. I picked this guy out um, two days old when he was two days old. We got him from a, a wow. breeder, and so like I got to hold him in my hand. He like fell asleep, and I told my mom, "Mom, this one, the one that's like sleeping <laughs> right now <laughs> in my hand." And uh, he's big now. He's got. He's kind of has that Peyton sad face, <laughs> which you know I hope it. <laughs> I hope it sticks around because I don't know when Peyton had that face. It was just I know he wasn't like 
upset about anything or like I, I don't know dogs can express something with like their face or whatever but it just it kind of looked funny he looked kind of like eeyore you know Drew. <laughs> um yeah I, I hope this dog has a, a cool personality charlie you know i love charlie but sometimes he's just like he doesn't want to do anything like the other dogs he's like he's a weirdo <laughs> but i love him yeah. you know mm-hmm. um i mean just really briefly here like or maybe we can go into this like you said you're moving to la um is that yeah. just for jobs or like well for acting um so yeah i mean i you know I, i've been uh i mean it's kind of my dream to uh to you know go and become be a professional actor so mm-hmm. um got two you know two choices new york or la really i mean atlanta I could go, there's places with opportunity but you know no two places like opportunity like those those cities so um so yeah la i think is is where i'm i'm headed next um yeah originally i had been saving up money so i could move this august um and i had i had met my target goal and money saved like back in march and i was like oh this is great you know i'm gonna keep working from here until august and i'm gonna be you know have way more money than i even expected and it's gonna be awesome like i'm gonna go down there i mean i'm gonna be living with my best friend um and and you know we're gonna we're gonna get to work he's he's really into screenwriting now and uh so he's he's just kind of started working on all that stuff and we both got big dreams and you know we're gonna go we're gonna go do the la thing and (laughs) you know try our best and um i'm really looking forward to to all you know to that with with everything that it has to offer all the struggles all the you know the the long nights the the droughts of you know not being able to get any work and you know the good times of of doing something i've never done before like i'm really really looking forward to all that it's tough the reality of it right now of having to who know of who knows when i can go now Mm -hmm. um that's that's kind of tough but um i mean whenever whenever it happens like I'm, i'm i'm really excited um but yeah la so um trying to get into more tv and film stuff i guess uh which i definitely have less experience in honestly i love theater so much and i want to do more theater um but i mean unfortunately it doesn't doesn't pay as much doesn't offer as as much of an out in terms of a career Mm -hmm. um but i would i want to do both I, i more than anything i want to do both i love theater so much in that process and you know the intimacy of all of that mm-hmm. um but i i you know i want to get involved in more film stuff too um and la is definitely the spot for that and so mm-hmm. um la is going to be it's going to be a fun experience man um you know i i get to, it, just, it feels if it, it just sucks that i feel very stuck right now mm-hmm. um well, one, just being the fact that there's no really acting going on in general, but also, you know, just kind of being in an area where, um, I mean, Seattle has decent theater, has pretty good theater, I guess. Um, and there's, there's opportunities for on-camera work. There's a lot of commercials. There's, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, all these places are always shooting commercials and whatnot. And, um, I'm a part of Big Fish Northwest. And, uh, so I, I got, you know, my, through my agency, I get auditions, um, and stuff, but, you know, commercial commercials are commercial. I mean, it's not, you know, if I land a commercial, that's awesome. You know, it pays well and, you know, that's kind of nice, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's experience for your resume, but you know, that's not doing a commercial isn't something that's incredibly fulfilling for me. You know, I want to do something, you know, like 
you know, that I can do honest storytelling work and, and um, really, you know, really care about my, my kind of goal. I would love to, you know, one day, and I don't want to sound selfish, but I guess maybe this is kind of selfish. I want to do, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of, you know, something that I can, you know, write, direct and, you know, be in or something like that. You know, like a literal, a literal pet project. That's like, this is mine. And I, I mean, I want, I, I want there to be, I want there to be so many people to be a part of it. I want, you know, my friends to be there, you know, and stuff and we can all do this together. And, and, but, you know, I want to have that, like, almost like child project that I can look back and be like, this is, you know, this is mine. <laughs> this is mine. Like I did that and like, just, you know, be so proud of that. And that's obviously that's down the line. That's something that, you know, that's just like a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't you do it now? Uh, you know, that's that I actually, um, <laughs> well, I bought a, I bought a camera, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I've, you know, I've, I've had to start accepting the reality that, um, you know, there's not really any acting going on here right now. And if I want to do any acting, I kind of have to create the opportunity for it myself. Um, so I did, I bought a camera. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I need, there's plenty of other stuff I need to get, you know, I need to get, um, better audio equipment. Um, I don't, I don't have a microphone right now. Um, I want to get, uh, you know, maybe another, a different lens or two. I don't, the lens I have, right. The one that's came with the camera isn't really much of a cinematic lens, um, by any means, but I mean, there's also, I mean, with what I have, I can also totally just, you know, make a short film, you know, it might not look like, you know, what you see in, in a movie theater, which is mm-hmm. fine. It's still, you know, a short film. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've wanted to, especially, uh, that's also another thing when I get to LA that I want to do, I want to just be making my own work and, um, uh, what's going to be nice about being in LA is I'm going to be surrounded by so many other artists that, you know, want to be working, that want to be doing all these things. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I got, I have those, I do have friends here that, you know, want to be doing stuff. And, but it's, it, a lot of us, you know, the demographics are a little different here. Seattle, it feels much bigger than, <laughs> it is much bigger than it looks really. Um, because the city of Seattle, you know, its borders are only so big, but basically Seattle all the way down to Tacoma is one gigantic city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people are from all around that big area. And it's it, especially during this crisis, it's hard to kind of get people together and, and do that. But once I'm down in LA and, you know, I'm living with my best friend who wants to be doing stuff. Um, I'm going to be around so many other artists that are going to want to do stuff. Um, it's just, it's just going to be a lot more, you know, it's going to be easy, easier to be spontaneous. It's going to be easier to be, um, you know, just have other people that are, that are being spontaneous too. That are like, Hey, I want to do this today. You want to be a part of it? And I can be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, you know, I, that doesn't really happen here for me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I went and got my camera and stuff because I, I do want to start doing that. You know, I want to start, start making projects and just, you know, just to practice, like, you know, like, like I was telling you at the very beginning of this podcast of my competitive nature of wanting to get better at, at things that, you know, I feel like I need to get better at, or feel like I don't have a lot of experience with. I, I really, I love getting better. I love learning. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I, I want to, I want to start doing this. I want to start, you know, directing my own, my own little projects and, putting them together because you know the more experience i do now the more practice i have the, the easier it's going to be when i am down there in la and i am surrounded by more artists that want to do things and i am surrounded by 
artists with even more experience than me. And, you know, I get to learn from them and, and I get to, you know, if I get to share the things that I learned and it's going to be such a cool, uh, I'm just, I can't wait. I can't wait to be back in that kind of environment because here where I am, it's not that there isn't things I can be doing, but you know, it's not, it's not just there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're in New York, you're in LA, it's, there's artists everywhere you look and it's just, it's, it's so cool. And, um, I can't, I just can't wait to be there. I can't wait to be a part of it. Yeah. Part of your world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the little mermaid. Um, <laughs> oh, dude, no, I like, I totally support like doing your own work. Like, um, how much do you know about like, the th- like my theater troupe? I know. I remember you, I remember like initially when you started it and, uh, putting on some of those productions, I remember you put one on at the baby bar, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember following all that stuff. Um, I don't really know. Ever since kind of the, the, I mean, since the global pandemic, I feel like I've been a little bit out of it. Oh, that's um, fine. I, Cause I mean, I mean, no, I guess not really a pun, but I felt I, I isolated, I guess. I mean, I'm literally just sitting at home mm-hmm. self isolating. So like no surprise there, but <laughs> yeah, dude, I, that, that's why I'm, uh, that's why I made this theater trip dude. It was kind of like what you're saying. Like I, with uh, with every show that I've done, like I get to do like a dog, uh, a dog sees God, like anytime I want, you know, like and mm-hmm. spreading like a, awesome. a positive message or something that like means a lot to me. I mean, when I did uh, reflection at the baby bar, uh, Art Poor Diaz's play, which we're recording his episode mm-hmm. tomorrow, very excited to talk with Art. Oh, sweet. Um, he like I picked that show because a lot of the uh, relationship between parents like affected me personally, and I knew it would affect others, and to like go with the uh, objective of like facing our greatest fear. I used that baby bar space of being like, y'all are trapped. And like with the mirrors that that are in that baby bar, like there's like these huge mirrors inside the baby bar. And like, you get to not only reflect on what's going on in the show, but you also have to like, you're kind of forced to like look at yourself in the mirror and like accept like any of, you know, accept yourself, you know, like facing, Mm -hmm. facing our greatest fear, which is like our, like accepting ourselves and, realizing like hey we deserve to be loved and stuff like that and yeah well said. yeah and then um i did a show that i wrote at the big pacific North- northwest festival terrain um uh, oh, initially cool. i did that like as like i was reading Ann Bogart. shout out to Ann Bogart, who's probably listened to this shout show out. uh because i'm fr- uh i've been emailing her she's really cool um oh nice you've been you've been talking to Anne. yeah i wanted her on this oh, that's show so cool. but she said she's super busy <laughs> she's writing a new book though uh look out for that oh nice um but like i just followed what, what Anne bogart was doing like she was kind of afraid of putting out her own work during her early career but like she did it and that's where she got to right now so i'm like you know what like i need to suck it up and <laughs> like put this show that's <laughs> like obviously it's, it's going to be a stage reading uh, but like I yeah. want to, I want to put out there because I think it's a, an important message, and it was a good show. I think it, sure. I think it was a failure in the sense. Uh, terrain's really chaotic, <laughs> a good chaos, not bad chaos. But like for a, an actual play where you're supposed to sit and focus, um, doesn't really work that way. Uh, I know <laughs> the people who were there really enjoyed it, but like it was really hard to like get people's attention with how with like so many things going on, like 300 other artists being in that room. Uh, showing showcasing their art and like thousands of people across washington and other states being there it it was a little bit hard for people to like stay focused but it was a good time nonetheless and then 
um, we kind of ended it with the playwright form. That's why I got like um, all my kids. Um, I, I recently discovered that I really liked mentoring and stuff like that, working on a show um, for the Spokane Civic Theater. I was assistant directing, working with some of the best kids ever, dude. Like I still like keep in touch with those kids and their parents. Like they love me and like I love them. And I, I think one of the, the moms, I told them like, hey, I think all your kids love me and I think I'm just going to like adopt them all to like be my kids. And she was like, yeah, you're totally cool. You can do that. <laughs> but like, I think like I had it like such, I love them so much. And I was like worried about where they were getting their artistic development from, you know, cause you know, Spokane has a really good uh, scene for kids like just to just get into theater and enjoy that ride. But I'm not seeing a lot of things that really nurture their artistic voices. And so I wanted to create a, a playwright form that did that for them. Like it was, they can write exactly like whatever they wanted to write, um, whatever that meant the most to them, uh, because it gives them a way to validate their opinions on things. And art was going to help me with that. Like we were going to do a one week intensive with art where he taught them playwriting and developing their scripts. And then we were going to do the show in a boxing ring with Ruby uh, Lynn Gino as our stage manager. Um, and then we had Georgia, my apprentice, be my, the assistant director. And then she was also going to direct a show for the very first time, like one of the plays, uh, which meant a lot to her too. Um, but we could, And we even got a grant. Like we got a $3,500 grant for it. And we paid these playwrights. And we paid the people in like in the production team. Like it wasn't like uh, standard rates, but it was more than just like $10 or something like that. Like the playwrights got like $300 each and there were like six. And then uh, we got about $200 for the production team. And then we're going to use the rest of the money for other things, but pandemic hit and kind of fucked it up. Now it's like, Mm, we got to wait till January to see when we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. But that's been- yeah. Yeah. The p- pandemic's been so tough really for, mm-hmm. for everything. It's just like, man, cause I, I was, I was personally taking a lot of time when I, when I moved back home because I, I did that whole thing at Silverwood. I don't know if you remember, like I did that last summer and that was just kind of a, a fun experience. Um, but once I finally moved back home in September, you know, having graduated and everything, my, my plan was just to, save up as much money as I could by, um, by summertime. And then, you know, look on moving to LA. So I was, you know, I, I was, I was doing some work here and there. Like, like I said, I, I am part of big fish Northwest and they'd send me auditions and stuff, but I, I didn't really go super out of my way to find projects. Cause I was like, you know, mostly just focused on, on accumulating that savings. And, and, um, then around like March, you know, when the pandemic hit and everything closed down, and I mean, uh, while I'm still making money, but it's like, I really have a craving now for acting. Like I, like more than ever, I'm like, Oh my God, I need to go do some acting, but we just can't. And that's just like, uh, the most frustrating feeling of all time mm. <laughs> to just be like, Oh no. Like I, I, I was taking this time to focus on myself and I think that was a really good decision and, and a really good thing. And now it's like the reality of being like, well, I, I'm not moving down to LA anytime soon. and well, I can't really get my acting acting fix here right now. And it's, you know, it's tough, man. It's tough right now for, for all artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a cool thing. It's, and it's cool because as you know, you know, like I find other avenues to, to, um, 
put my my artistic energy into like rapping or even these like video production projects I've been hired for. Um, I didn't think I'd be doing as much broadcasting work as I am right now, but I, you know, I'm doing lots of video editing, um, you know, video production. Um, you know, I bought that camera cause I had to go conduct a bunch of interviews. So I'm working on these skills that, that are, they're good skills for me, but I, I have, I didn't plan on, I didn't plan on, on working on them right now, but, um, yeah, it's good. And, but I, I can't, yeah, I, I miss acting and, and I'm sure you miss getting the opportunity to, you know, work with a group of people and work with a group of artists and, you mm-hmm. know, like do these intensives with them, give them these writing experiences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I just kind of rambled off again. But oh, the, no, yeah. The, the, um, yeah, I totally, totally feel your pain and, and um, it's tough. I'm glad you're doing this, this podcast though. That's cool. It's so oh, yeah. cool. And, cool way to 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 use your time and and talk to people and that i i really appreciate this too like i remember i i just i had a zoom call with um with two actor friends i had that are in the seattle area um that we did a project together back in october um we were a part of this short film and that's how we became friends and um just i don't know i don't a lot of my friends that I talk to right now aren't really artists. You know, they're not, I've, I've my best friend who lives in LA and he's, you know, into screenwriting and stuff. And we talk all the time, but to talk to other actors who also are going through the same thing and me being like, Oh my God, I can't act right now. And it's driving me crazy and stuff and hearing them talk about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, makes me feel a little bit more, I don't know. Yeah, less lonely, I guess, in this whole thing, in this whole grand scheme of things. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and just like this podcast, like, you know, you're finding you're finding other ways to 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 talk about this stuff. And yeah, it makes makes artists world feel closer together and less less alone and less isolated in this time where we don't have an ac- we don't have access to a lot of um um, like group artistic work. Yeah. One thing that um, has helped me during this pandemic, cause like early on, I was definitely feeling the, uh, the theater blues of not being like missing all these projects. Like I was, I lost an acting opportunity at Eastern. Uh, I was going to be in Judas Iscariot. I was going to work with uh, Josephine Keith, but I was pr- potentially, oh. I could have also been working with Sarah Goff too. So I was like, ah, I wanted to work with Sarah Goff. Shoot. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think like what happened was, um, and this is something that our professor, Charles Pepitone, talked about uh, on a live stream that I was watching of his. Uh, more context for you later. Uh, the audience doesn't really know, need to know about that. But he said, like, now is the time for, like, pre- preparation, uh, like, preparing for, like, once this pandemic, like, is done, you know, like, once we can get back into the theater. And it's also really just about figuring out, like, why you do what you want to do, you know, like, I, I think... For, recently like by recently last year i figured out exactly why i wanted to do theater um and then i but like this year since i can't do that exactly which is you know human connection and the human connections that we make with each ourselves and each other um i just had to think about like how can i fulfill that need without theater because <laughs> like i wasn't about to do these zoom plays and all that i've seen a few of them dude and i hate them like it's not the same yeah. it's not the same vibe it's like watching a shitty movie honestly with like bad graphics and like i can't mm-hmm. like turn my theater brain on watching these zoom plays yeah. but um yeah so podcasting for me has always been like a great place it's like storytelling and like connecting with people and 
whenever I listen to like, you know, pocket full of soup, for example, like Jared Petty always had somebody, I was one of his friends in the video game industry or some other rando uh, that he was friends with. And they would get into these in-depth conversations about people that they're thankful for and other things like they would go off the cuff. Um, I was like, I, we need something like that now. Uh, he wasn't doing it anymore. Um, he, he, he does a, a couple other podcasts that I really haven't listened to. Sorry, Jared, if you're listening to this show. <laughs> um, but um, like those, the, those uh, when he was doing like this format initially, like it meant so much to me. And I think like it, it was important for my other friends to like do s- stuff like that. And I kind of did it on a whim. Like our first episode was with the first kid I ever like, well, not one of the f- first kids I've ever mentored. Uh, she's 17. Um, she like, once I had that first episode with her, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, this was actually a lot more meaningful and fun than I had initially thought. <laughs> and it, yeah, this is this is actually really fun, really cool idea, and you're actually you're inspiring me. You're already making me think about ideas of mm-hmm. of people I would wanna I would heck, wanna host on a podcast. It'd actually be so much heck, fun. Heck man. yeah, bro! Um, I'm glad I'm inspiring you. I think like you've known me for a long time, dude. I think like you've uh, I think you could probably say like I've changed so much since like the first yeah. time. I mean, we all have. We all have so oh, much. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what these last four or five years have been. Have just been just been growth mm-hmm. that's what i'll just i mean that's i mean not trying to get any say anything that seems like i'm getting really deep or something but i mean that's just life mm-hmm. man just just growing and you know learning learning the whole time you make you fail and that's just you know a chance to to try again but mm-hmm. but better you know with, with more experience yeah. and, um so it's and cool. the mentoring thing dude like that really happened in december <laughs> like after graduating like i think like initially i thought oh yeah i'm gonna get my master's just for the cred you know, like just for the, oh yeah, I got my master's. Like maybe I'll do be a professor or whatever. Like it, like I wasn't really thinking about mentoring, but like it was really in December when I was like um, hanging out with these kids where I was like, oh dang, this is actually way better than I thought. And then having my apprentice and seeing her every week uh, talking about Ann Bogart and things that she wouldn't necessarily get in a high school setting, you know, like I'm teaching her like brand new things. Like it's, it was so fulfilling. And like yeah it's amazing how much things have changed like um from december even now dude with this pandemic and everything like that's going on uh life comes at you in strange ways that's all say uh that's all i'll say about that and you either gotta embrace it or don't yeah um going back to elmo real quick because uh anchor doesn't like (laughs) anchor uh doesn't like us to be on more than two hours um so i want to get to just some final words about Elmo and then uh, lightning round questions. Um, yeah. So Elmo, um, this might be a little bit emotional, but so you don't have to do this. We normally do it with everyone on the show, but um, mm-hmm. if it's a little bit, um, I'm going to cry right now or something like you don't have to do mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, you're good. You're good. Pretend Elmo's here right now. You get to speak to him one more time. What would you like to say to him? Mm. Man, I just, you know, I tell him, I mean, it's almost similar. I, I got to I got to see him when, um, you know, when he was at the vet and stuff. Kind of, kind of before we had to put him down. But just talk, just say, you know, like, like, you know, thank you, Elmo. Like, I love you so much, and you <laughs> you stuck around longer than you needed to. To be honest, you stuck around longer than you needed mm-hmm. to. But we appreciate it, and you know, he. 
he never tried to inconvenience anyone. It was, it was <laughs> kind, kind of funny. Like, you know, my brother, my brother just got a new job recently <laughs> and uh, he'd been working quite a bit. And um, my brother just had this random Tuesday off and, you know, that's the day Elmo decided it was time to go. But it's like, he even, you know, he even waited until my brother had a day off. Mm-hmm. So my brother could come and be there with us. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd like, thank, thank you Elmo for that. And, um, you know, he, and there's, there's some comfort in, in knowing that he's with my sister again, who, um, it, you know, he was her dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, she only got to spend, uh, you know, like a year of her life with him and, uh, they, they get to be together again and they get to, they get to go run around and go swimming and, and, you know, do whatever they feel like they missed out on. And, that that's that's a really comforting feeling mm-hmm. too to to know that and um yeah and just we just we just thank Elmo for for being you know the best dog we could ask for yeah. and just I don't know the the impact he had on us is you know you never really realize like how how much you know your dogs really really impact your life mm-hmm. you know like you know how much they improve your mood and how much they. Mm-hmm mean to you i mean they really are a part of your family and you know it makes it so hard to lose them but um yeah there's also you know with as sad as it was you know for our family and and everything it's also you know it's (laughs) like we said elmo (laughs) stuck around way longer than he really needed to he could have chose to go a lot sooner and and you know nobody would have been surprised i mean he was 14 and a half so dude was dude was over like 100 years old in dog years Mm -hmm. he um yeah, and he he lived every year just happily and and for his people and you know and that was it just made him super special and we, and we thank Elmo for that mm-hmm. and and uh, miss him miss him you know yeah. it's, it's still hard it's still it's still soon it's still hard so um, mm-hmm. you know there's times where you know we just there's moments you know where you instinctively look to where you think Elmo would be in a situation you know you look over and you're like ah you know. Yeah his bed's not there anymore. And, you know, it kind of hits, it kind of hits hard and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. But yeah, we, we thank Elmo and love you, Elmo. Yeah. Thank you for everything you did. And thanks for helping raise me and yeah. you're the best dog ever. Yeah. So you're not alone in talking about <laughs> uh, how much you miss your dog. Um, Eli and Payton, uh, like you said, like you don't really know how much like your dog impacts you. Like I, I think like to an extent uh, that was kind of Eli and Payton, but like, I think I've always known how much they impacted me. Um, I remember just like early in college, like, and for a long time, just not really like understanding like what exactly I need to do with theater, Uh, you know, coming from the Middle East and stuff like that. Like I was never exposed to theater. I was, whenever, um, when I did get into it because of Kathleen, um, even then, like I was just lost. And so for a long time, I just fell alone, you know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just thought about, ending it dude like I didn't want to be alive anymore and so it only took a moment where I realized like Eli and Peyton are still around and like I didn't want to Hachiko them <laughs> you know like you know the story of Hachiko the, the dog who um, waited for his owner at the train station like I didn't want to I wasn't about yeah. to do that with them and I think they were like five six years old at the time and so I was like I'm just gonna wait five more years and see what happens you know like like see how things go and stick around for them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like their lifespan. And then I remember seeing next to normal, you were in that show <laughs> and uh, seeing that show and just 
like it changed me, dude. It was so sad. <laughs> I, Aaron, our friend, Aaron Sellers was sitting right next to me and I was like bawling my eyes out. And this was the year where things were like super rough at, at school. And Aaron like tapped me on the shoulder and she was like, Sid, are you okay? And I was like, it's just too real right now. <laughs> and yeah. then I went, well, act one finished and I didn't know this show at all. I just thought, oh man, thank God the show's over. <laughs> I don't have to cry anymore. And then, <laughs> you, were you in for Yeah, and I was like, act two, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can do this again. <laughs> but um, Doxy's God, dude, it was the show that made me realize why I want to do what I did. I mean, when I initially picked my senior project, it was, it was, very, it was pretty much for a selfish reason. Um, it wasn't for anybody. And I didn't care at the time. But then once I started seeing, I saw a show at the Kennedy Center, KCACTF, CSU Ferguson, which not only touched on the Ferguson incident back then, but it also touched on a lot of issues and a lot of like political stuff. And I remember how much that show like impacted me. I was like, this show is beyond just theater. It's a message for the community. And I knew my senior project had to, it had to be something like that. It had to touch everybody. It had to, it couldn't just be about me, you know, like it can start with me and how much it affected me, but it also, we have to think about like the people who are watching it and the impact it's going to make for others. And Dogs of God came at that right time. The Van's last uh, line in the show where he's like, keep asking questions, you know, that I, I yeah. stuck by it. And that was what I drove the show on. Um, and at that moment, once the show was over and then hearing how John was impacted by it, how everyone in the cast, like had their perspective changed uh, on life, you know, not just in theater. It, uh, that's when I was like, we have something special here. We uh, like, I, I know yeah. what to do now and I want to do more of it. It sucks that I gra I'm graduating. I couldn't do more of it at school, but uh, my, mm -hmm. the professors told me like, you can do this beyond school. Like you, you got, you got to create that work for yourself. Yeah. That's it. That's a different challenge. I was literally just thinking that of how, how different of a challenge that is of like when I was at school and how much, you know, you take, you take for granted, just like, the, the opportunity and the availability at school of just being able to be a, a part of so many things mm -hmm. is such a cool thing. And it's like, you don't really get that once you leave school, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a whole different beast of trying to find work and, and, and getting into projects and then, you know, putting a hundred percent into these projects, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard to get involved with all these things. You have to make, you really do have to make so much work yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to do, you have to do so much different, so much more work than, than, than you yeah. thought. You know, it really is. And that's, that's something that I'm still working on, on adjusting to. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, I don't oh. know, that just kind of popped oh, up. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And then like, once I did reflection and the show I did and the playwright form, like oh. I, I figured it out. Like, I, I mean, like I'm still open to like growing and changing and like having different opinions, but like right now I'm pretty content of like what I want to do in the future. And like, <laughs> here's the sad part. It's like, that that's that's five years you know um once i figured it out it was five years and whoo gonna cry <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it is like it was their time you know like we, we made that promise and uh we made that promise and then mm -hmm. eli and Peyton, i think they knew it was like all right he doesn't yeah who <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like need us anymore you know 
Yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of random, but are Eli and Peyton named after yes. the Manning brothers? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have a choice in the names. <laughs> okay, okay. But, uh, I wouldn't name them anything else, you know? They are Eli and Peyton. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's kind of funny how life works, you know? Like five yeah. years ago, you're like, you don't know where you're going to be, and then here you are now. And it was just kind of interesting that Eli and Peyton kind of figured that out. Yeah, you know, um, I do miss them, yeah. but I, it was their time, like, mm-hmm. like physically and spiritually, it was their time. Yeah, yep. And now, now yeah. we have Charlie and Bowie, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, guys, yeah. gals, and non-binary pals, this has been Wayward Artists in a Wayward World with Carson Soul. Uh, right now, we're going into lightning round questions. Um, Car- Sweet. Five, it's five, a series of five questions. I ask each and every guest. Each, uh, they're the same questions. Um, it's fun. It's kind of quick. <laughs> I should call it something else instead okay. of lightning round. But um, oh, yeah, same. Carson, are you ready? Sure, let's go right, for it. Question number one. What would be your perfect day? Oh, perfect day. Man, <laughs> I'm gonna think I'm gonna be thinking way too hard about these questions. <laughs> uh perfect day. Definitely gotta wake up to some sun for me. Um God, living in Washington is so tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you get two months of good weather and then and then ten months of gloom. And uh that can be that can be really tough sometimes. So waking up to sun is definitely a different energetic feeling. I'm very look very much looking forward to that in LA. Um you know, slow. I mean, I, I like, I really like doing stuff in the morning, but I like doing like casual things in the morning. So like, you know, I like waking up and then, you know, having a cup of coffee and, you know, watching some Netflix mm-hmm. or, um, you know, playing some video games in the morning. I like, I like starting my day that way. Um, and then, and, but then very shortly after I'm, I'm very, I'm, I feel like I'm much more focused, um, almost like evenings, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, it depends on what I'm doing when it's like physical work, when I'm like working out or, you know, um, you know, doing, you know, yard work or, or something. I love doing it in the morning. It's just like easier for me. Just kind of like a, I don't really need to be thinking about it as much. I just can just kind of go and mm-hmm. do it. Um, but when it comes to, you know, needing to, you know, think and like put in, put in, you know, um, focus my energy on something. That's definitely a more of an evening thing. So, um, yeah, so so you know, doing doing whatever whatever my work is for the day, doing that kind of middle of the day, afternoon, into the evening a little bit, and and that's always a good feeling. And then you know, ending the day with some friends, probably. Um, yeah, that's that's probably a perfect day for me. Sounds like it, dude. You know, like it's pretty chill. Um, I love that. I I love my friends, man. I love my friends. <laughs> like, I just. Yeah, I love I love people and I love being like I'm very much a when I'm I love to I need to be by myself a mm-hmm. lot. Um and I like spending so much time with myself and like you know I need that, but I also just like I don't even need to really even be talking to my friends. Like I just need to be around them. Like if I'm just there in the same area as them, it's just like a very comforting feeling for me to be able to you know to like even if I'm not saying anything to know that if I open my mouth I can say whatever's on my mind around my friends and just it's kind of kind of a, a really comforting feeling and um man I'm looking forward to to living with my best friend in LA cuz it's going to be like that every day nice that's that's a perfect day that sounds like a perfect day every day once you're with your friend mm-hmm. um question number 2 what is your third favorite movie 
third favorite yeah. movie. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, this is not going to be a first certain answer for sure. So, um, gosh. Um, my first favorite movie is a movie called Brigsby Bear. Um, Brigsby Bear? Which is Brigsby oh. Bear. It came out in 2017. Oh, yeah. um, has Mark Hamill mm-hmm. in it. Um, Kyle Mooney stars in it. It's just a really special movie. Feel It's really, you know, makes me feel good when I watch it. And that's, you know, I, I can watch that movie any day of the yeah. week and just uh, makes me feel, feel good. Um, third favorite movie, though. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to think of another movie that I just love a lot um, that isn't like star wars or lord of the rings or something because those are series those are series that's a different category um but third favorite movie um what's something that i like to rewatch a lot um man you're making me think uh, sorry uh i'm no, my answers my answers are definitely not lightning yeah. <laughs> um i'll say something this is kind of this is kind of random but I'm just going to say it because I don't know why I do this. And I just, for whatever reason, every once in a while, I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and watch this movie again. And that's Les Mis. Sure. I don't really know why. Like, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, don't really like the movie that much or whatever, but like, I don't know. I love Les Mis and I know it's like literally like three hours. So <laughs> I have to block out three hours of my day to sit down and watch this uh-huh. movie. But every once in a while, I just have this urge to be like, I don't know. I kind of want to watch Les Mis right mm-hmm. now. So I just sit down and I watch Les Mis. So yeah. for whatever reason, that can be my third favorite movie. Yeah. Right it, it reminds <laughs> me of like how I feel about The Greatest Showman. Like the movie itself is oh, like yeah. whatever, but like, I don't know. I, I'm just like super into the music. <laughs> like the music mm-hmm. is the best part of that movie. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like I've heard a lot of criticism of the Les Mis music, but uh, do you think it's okay? I mean, like, obviously it's not Broadway. Yeah, I mean, but... I mean, well, I mean, to me, it's good enough. I'm also... To go on a personal opinion, um, I don't know. I'm very much when it comes to Broadway. Um, I'm somebody who's like I know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fan of like prioritizing singing over acting. I know it might be kind of a selfish thing to say, but um, there. Are, I mean, I, I I sing. I sing. Um, I mean, I've been a part of music my whole life. I, you know, I, I sing quite a bit. Um, but I've never considered myself to be this. You know amazing vocalist with just like incredible technique and everything, which sometimes I feel like that a lot of that gets prioritized in in Broadway musicals. And like, you know, you see people who are incredibly amazing singers and sometimes the acting is just kind of like whatever for me. And I'm just like, you know, it kind of takes me out of it. I'm like, Oh, your singing is awesome. And I love it. But it's like, you know, I, I like to hear the emotion in the singing, you know, it doesn't, the singing doesn't have to be, you know, the singing can just be passable as long as like, you know, the emotion and the, the intent is there. Like that's, that's the best part for me. So I I love, you know, something like next to normal where it's like, you can't, you can't bullshit that you can't just go out there and and sing those songs, you know, just to sing, just to be singing, you know, that's not, that's not how those, you know, songs work. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really cheesy musicals that, you know, that's kind of the way they were made. And it's like, you know, there, there's an audience for that. There's, you know, people that, that you know they go to see musicals for that reason and that's totally cool and that's awesome um but for me like i'm very into like invested in their their emotion and you know their their investment in their character and their character's moment of singing this song and like you know i love all that and sometimes i feel like you know the if the acting 
just kind of, you know, it seems like their singing is, is significantly better than their acting. Uh, sometimes I'm just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. That's, it might be kind of a selfish opinion, but um, nah. yeah. And like, in miss, like, you know, I know Russell Crowe gets a lot of shit, um, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, okay. There, his, his, um, yes. I don't know. I, I think, I think the way in that cast and like the way it was done, like I think he plays that character just fine. And I think because, that's the way he is. The way he sings those songs are just the way he sings those songs. It's like, it's, it's the character singing the songs, but everybody's like, Russell Crowe shouldn't be singing those songs, but it's like, it's, it's, it's Russell. It's the character. Like, you know, you want to think about it as the character is like singing the song. That's, that's kind of my, there's this kind of, you know, line in, in, in musicals that are like, you know, this person is singing the song as that character, but it's like, I think I like to think of it as the character singing the song. It's like, yeah, I'm playing this character, but it's like, you know, the character is singing the song and it's like how it doesn't matter, you know, what it's, how does that character sound? It's like that person sounds like that. Like why, why do people have to shit on them for that? I, I don't get it. Like, you know, and there, there are technicalities in music where it's like, yeah, if the person is off pitch, they're off pitch. And that's just, you know, that's just, you know, that's, that is what it is, but it's like, there's plenty of people who could sing on pitch and they might not have the most lovely voice of all time, but I think that's besides the point. Yeah. So I know that was kind of a long oh, no. for that, but no, to, to kind of condense it. And like, uh, I do agree with you. I don't think it's selfish. I think like we can have a whole other conversation about musical theater versus like actual singing. Like I think musical theater is definitely different than actual, just regular singing, you know, like, they're two totally completely different things, but I don't want to go into it. I think you said a lot of what I was thinking about, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I wanted to like make, make sure you knew like that. I don't think that's like a selfish opinion. I think like, I think it's like an opinion that a lot of people need to have more of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't blame anybody for who goes to, mm -hmm. you know, to musicals just to see spectacular singing. I mean, literally I think some of the, probably the best vocalists in the world are musical theater singers. Cause they're just, their training is, insane and you know they take such good care of their voice and you know it's really impressive and they deserve all of the you know all of the the awards and and recognition that they deserve mm -hmm. um just for me personally it's like you know the kind of what i tend to gravitate towards is not necessarily that side of mm -hmm. you know i don't I, I love the entertainment side of art like i really find i think that's actually so, so important mm -hmm. um I think we lose that sometimes of like, I think, you know, enter entertainment is a huge part of, of especially something like theater. Um, like you have to keep an audience engaged and, and, you know, they want, you want them to want to be mm -hmm. there. And um, yeah, so I think entertainment's a huge part of it. And I think like, you know, but some, but people also go, you know, they go, they enjoy, people enjoy art for different reasons. And it's like, they're, that's totally valid. So oh, yeah. I'm not hating on anyone. It's just one person's opinion. Oh so. no, absolutely. Um, Going into question number three now, um, how would I describe you? Oh gosh, um, wow, I'm not good with with these kind of questions. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I hope that you would describe me as somebody who who's honest and um, you know committed to their work. I I I like put. I want to put my heart into everything I do. Um, I, you know. I, my my sister's uh saying was do what you love love what you do and i i take that very seriously and i want to you know whatever whether it was basketball music 
acting. I want to, you know, leave my heart out there on the stage, the floor, um, you know, wherever. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you, you would describe me as somebody who, who is, you know, has a big heart and, um, uh, you know, puts, you know, try, tries as best they can and, and, and is honest and, um, kind hopefully <laughs> um yeah I, I don't i i am not that, that's not a good question for me I, i'm not good at answering anything uh, like that you did, i think you did a good job i think like you nailed it um i also think you're like really talented and the other word i would describe you is like warm you know like i think oh, that at first like when you meet like when you meet somebody you're like oh, i don't know how this person's gonna feel about me are they gonna be mean are they gonna be not it, like engaging or whatever but like i think like the moment even like when i first met you it was just like uh, you definitely felt warm like you, de you like you definitely treat other people like you know like you've been friends with them for a long time and i think that's a good quality mm -hmm. to have for sure um oh, yeah thanks. and you're hella like yeah you, you have a good work ethic too i think <laughs> um mm -hmm. and thanks. i appreciate all the work that you did for dogs is god like without like no one else could play cb like my like, <laughs> thank you but um let's keep going now question number four what's your favorite ice cream topping oh probably cookie dough that, that's the easiest one you've asked all day <laughs> cookie dough for all right, sure uh, uh, <laughs> that's well then uh, i guess we can go on to number five <laughs> uh the most important question and uh the one i ask everybody um they always get a really interesting reaction out of this one uh left twix or right twix hmm Man, I would say I'm gonna say left Twix, what? and I say that because I feel like you know, like the right Twix is like you know you think of like you know I'm right-handed or like you know that's you know I'm comfortable on the right side. Um, so I think left Twix. It's left Twix because it's like it's more <laughs> turning this into like a metaphor, but it's like, you know, stepping outside my comfort zone. Like, you know, in basketball, I'm right-handed. So, you know, you shoot with your right hand, but you know, you got to learn to shoot with your left hand and you might be more uncomfortable with that. Um, but it's, you know, it's just as important. It's just as important as the right Twix. Um, but it might not, you know, you might not be as more as comfortable mm -hmm. eating the right Twix or eating the left Twix, but you know, yeah. You got to do it, and you won't you won't know until you until you go for it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say left. Twix. I love I love that answer, man. Like we always get <laughs> some kind of weird response. It either it either starts off with Sid, what the fuck are you saying right now? <laughs> and then I have to like, explain to them like what what left and right Twix means. Um, I had uh, one of the kids I mentored. He's like 14. We had him on the show, and he he kind of went into like a like a rant about the right Twix, I think, or the left Twix, mm -hmm. and like why it's different <laughs> yeah um yesterday i talked with a good friend of mine and she, like, yeah she was one of those people like what the hell are you talking about right now um mm -hmm. your answer is funny i don't think anyone's gotten like that deep i actually really like what you're saying because <laughs> like it was true i, I when i when someone asked me what mine was i said yeah the right twix because i'm right-handed but like now i feel like i should be going to the left twix now uh <laughs> <laughs> i love i love questions like that i one of my favorite go-to questions, and I, I ask this, like, it'll be, like, literally a first date, and I'll ask a girl this question, mm -hmm. and I'll go, kill, fuck, marry, burritos, tacos, quesadillas. Oh, wow. Uh, kill, 
tacos. I'd kill tacos. Um, you kill tacos? Yeah, Come I, on, Sid. Why are you killing tacos? Because I, I love burritos, dude. I like the soft shell. It doesn't like. It's not messy, you know. Um, I I'd <sighs> fuck with some quesadillas, you know. Like I yeah. I love I love me like quesadilla any day with any kind of filling. That's really good. But burritos my go to. You know, she's. Like she's there. Yeah, I. I mean, I, I. You know, I respect it. I respect it. I'm a. I'm a Mary Tacos for sure. I love like street tacos. Like those are the best. Yeah. And then, um, burrito. I would probably fuck burrito. They thick for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm gonna kill quesadillas because then honestly, I'll just I'll mourn I'll mourn over the death of the quesadilla while I eat a grilled cheese instead <laughs> and have almost the same experience. Yeah. But. Burritos, burritos. I think I generally like quesadillas more than I like burritos. But if I only got to have one, like if I am, if I got to have one or the other one last time, I think I'd probably have to pick a burrito. Like I would want, you know, my go-to burrito one last time, yeah. rather than just a quesadilla. Like, so. not nah, dude. But I love, I love tacos. Oh, yeah, so. I, you know, I love me a good taco. It's just like, um, I just feel like they get messy too quick. And, you know, I'm yeah. always, I always like to keep things clean. Yeah. What if, what if I swapped? tacos with with enchiladas enchilada would that change your enchilada answer? uh oh um you know what yeah actually i do love me a good enchilada uh <laughs> yeah probably marry enchiladas honestly like if Ooh. i had like i yeah i'd probably cheat on burrito <laughs> yeah but if, if it were if it were those three and i took out tacos i would probably marry enchiladas too actually yeah. oh man now i'm hungry i can't eat, I, i'm on a paleo <laughs> diet right now so i can't eat bread oh so, yeah um i did i did paleo actually in college um my freshman year i, I did it uh junior year um when i was in psycho oh, beach nice. party uh they told me i had to take my shirt off and i was like "Ooh, if they're gonna take off my shirt i better look good yeah. <laughs> you know Paleo, paleo, yeah, paleo is a good way to do it. I mean, um, I, I just did it for a month because I was like, it, I mean, it was just me being like, I want to see if I can do this for mm-hmm. a month. Just kind of like just me being me. Like, I really didn't need to do paleo, but it was just, yeah, it was more of like, I want to see if I can do it. So I did it. But it's, it sucks. It's, you're always hungry. You're always hungry. I always had to carry around like nuts or I, beef I, jerky with me everywhere I, I went because I needed to snack. I feel like I don't eat too much anyway. And like when I do, I eat big portions so like i'll have a lot of portions Uh of like different paleo stuff like i my breakfast right now is like eggs with like some sausage and uh one of those um halos you know those small oranges i can't remember oh yeah the little yeah cuties yeah cuties yeah that's what i was that's what i eat and i'm like still full um i don't really Mm -hmm. eat until i feel hungry you know like i mean nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that but anyway, that was a cool like bonus question. We never had a bonus question. <laughs> um, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this has been Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. Uh, that's that's the show, pretty much. Carson, um, do you have any final words? Uh, just want to say thank you to Sid for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was fun and uh, much needed. It's always good for me to talk with artists especially right now feel feel a little lonely you mm-hmm. know out here isolating and stuff so i really appreciate that and i just want to remind anyone who might be listening to you know do what you love love what you do and um yeah just keep keep exercising those creative muscles and and uh yeah it's time for preparation mm-hmm. that's you're exactly right um and it was great having you on the show um i really love going in depth about things but uh Uh, Without further ado, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, it's been real.